listeners, and welcome to another episode of Yas Queens, a history podcast. I'm your host, Emily. It's been a bit since our last episode. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you'll know that this ended up being a busier summer than I expected, but in a good way. I was traveling for half of the month of July, and my plans for the podcast went out the window. I really did intend to stay on track with our regular episode schedule, but the days just got away from me, and I didn't want to do a rest job of episodes if I could prevent it. Now I'm done with all of my travels for the summer and the grad school class that I was taking as well, so I should be able to get back into a normal routine with the podcast. Of course, there's also back to school coming up as I am a teacher, but that's a kind of busy that I'm used to, so I'm not as worried about that. Uh, honestly, sometimes I feel like I'm more productive during the school year than during the summer because I don't have the whole day open. When you only have so much time to do something, you need to get shit done, but when you've got the whole day wide open, it's easy to get distracted and take a lot of naps. Anyways, with that said, we're back on track with the podcast. This is our fifth episode of the Four Provencal Sisters miniseries, and should hopefully be the second to last of the miniseries. After the sixth part wraps up, the stories of Marguerite, Eleanor, Sancia, and Beatrice will be moving on to our next queen, Eleanor of Castile, the wife of Eleanor of Provence's son, Edward. Uh, we did introduce Eleanor of Castile in the last episode since we ended with her marriage to Edward. Since it's been some time since our last episode, I'll do a hopefully quick summary of where things left off for each of the four sisters, just to remind you of where we were at the end of episode four. Marguerite. Marguerite had gone on crusade with her husband, King Louis of France, his brothers, and her sister, BP, Beatrice of Provence, to separate her from Beatrice of Savoy, their mother. Um, BP is married to Louis's brother, Charles of Anjou. The crusade starts off well for Louis. He has an initial win, but it quickly turns into a disaster. Louis gets captured and held hostage for a time. Marguerite does an excellent job of running the show and getting her sad and poopy, husband back, so Louis had dysentery and we have to keep mentioning that he's poopy. After all that, Louis thinks he needs to save his reputation by staying in Accra and continuing his crusade, while everyone else is smart and goes home. Marguerite is bitter. Eleanor. Meanwhile in England, Henry III and his brother-in-law, Simon de Montfort, are beefing over Gascony. Eleanor's daughter, Margaret, married the child king of Scotland, and she is very cold and sad up in Scotland, uh, but she does like her husband. She just isn't allowed near him. They are kept apart because they are children, um, and they people don't want them to start doing bedroom activities because they're too young for that, um, so they're kept separate. Henry and Eleanor briefly feuded about Simon and Henry's sister, also named Eleanor, Eleanor de Montfort, um, but they're back on good terms. Their son, Edward, married Eleanor of Castile, uh, who was the daughter of Henry's former fiance, Joan of Ponthieu, because our family trees are messy. The Pope has offered the English royal family the opportunity to make their second son, Edmund, the King of Sicily. So as a reminder, we have Edward and Edmund as the English princes. Sancia. Out of the four sisters, Sancia likely has the least happy marriage. Marguerite and Louis had their issues, but they also had happy times. 
Sancia quickly proves to be actually too quiet and submissive for Richard, who was used to a more politically involved wife. Again, uh, Sancia was the only one of the three sisters who married, or four sisters who married a man who had been previously married. Everyone else was their husband's first wife, but Sancia married a man who had been widowed. Richard was asked by the Pope to become the King of Sicily before Edmund received the offer, um, but Richard declined. We'll talk more about the Pope trying to make people the King of Sicily and the King of Germany to combat his nemesis, the Holy Roman Emperor, more in this episode. Beatrice. BP slid under the radar a bit in the last episode, but she'll have her moment in this episode for sure. As a reminder, BP is married to Charles of Anjou, the youngest brother of Louis. Both BP and Charles have a bit of youngest child syndrome. Charles is in the shadow of his brother, the king, and BP has grown up with two queens for older sisters. They both went on crusade with Marguerite and Louis, but have left return to France. These two sisters were never that close since Marguerite left Provence when BP was young. They may have grown closer together during the months where their respective husbands were being held hostage and experienced that, you know, presumably brought the two of them together, but we'll see that existing divide between them grow even more. And that's what you missed on Glee. Let's dive back into our story, starting with Marguerite and Louis. Again, Louis isn't about to give up on the crusade, even though it has been a disaster so far. Marguerite has resigned herself to being in the desert for at least another year, while Louis attempts whatever he has in mind. She knows that Louis feels Catholic guilt for what has happened, and he will stay until there's absolutely no other choice but to retreat. Louis is trying to do penance for his previous defeat and thinks that future wins will make up for past losses. That is, if he wins. Louis is approached by the Sultan of Aleppo, and Nasir, who was a cousin of the late Sultan of Cairo. We've got a bit of the a, the enemy of my enemy is my friend situation here, and Nasir asks Louis to join him in fighting the Mamluks in exchange for the city of Jerusalem. So, not a bad deal. Marguerite just wants to get home to France. She feels they've been away too long. They left their older children behind in France with Blanche, Louis's powerful mother. She also doesn't trust Charles as far as she can throw him and thinks that he's going to get up to some schemes to steal France away from Louis. Granted, Marguerite could have gone back on her own. Louis would have offered her the ships and supplies that she needed to make the journey home, but Marguerite was likely worried that if she went home without Louis, Louis would never return. If it was up to him, he would keep fighting his crusade until he died. When Louis had been held hostage, Blanche had worked to collect the ransom money and send it to him. However, once the money was put on board a ship, a storm came and sunk the ship, meaning Blanche had to start over and raise the ransom a second time. Between the cost of the ransom, paying for the, uh, the army and everyone that came with it, and fortifying the settlements that Louis did still control, he had nearly bankrupted France, another cause for Marguerite's concern. The crusade had cost France 750,000 livres and had been a bust so far. It wasn't even like Louis was spending all this money to successfully conquer land. He was losing and badly. Louis finally gives in to returning home when they find out in June of 1253 that Blanche of Castile had died back in the previous November. Without his mother left in France to oversee things as the regent, Louis concedes that it's time to go home. 
We're about to bounce over to Eleanor, but first, a few quick details about Marguerite that I think show how tough she was, but also what kind of mother she was. Again, Marguerite and Louis' older children were in France, but the younger ones were with them on crusade. Marguerite did her best to make the trip home as comfortable for the children as she could. At one point, when their fleet passed an island, Marguerite asked Louis to send some of the sailors to collect fresh fruit for the children. Way to go understanding good diet and nutrition, Marguerite! Another time, when they were caught in a storm and the crew feared they would drown, Marguerite refused to wake her children, who had managed to sleep through the ordeal. She said that if the ship went down, she would prefer that her children die in their sleep, rather than wake them up and have them potentially die in fear. This didn't happen. The family did eventually reach Provence after 10 weeks, but it reminded me of when Marguerite gave birth while under siege and asked her guardian knight to kill her rather than let her be taken by the enemy. Louis was the ultimate sad boy after having had to give up on his crusade. At one point, Louis suggested to Marguerite that they give up being king and queen and retire to separate religious houses. So he's like, let's just throw on the towel and become, you know, a friar or monk and a nun. Like, it's chill. Uh, Marguerite was obviously not having this. She hadn't done everything she did to get Louis back just to become a nun. She was not giving up her power. While the crusade had ruined Louis's reputation and made him a sad lump of a man, Marguerite had proven herself abroad. People knew what she had done to save the French cause and get her husband back, and she was extremely well-respected both in France and throughout Europe. I might say Marguerite was at the height of her power, so she was not about to hand that over just because Louis was sad. Meanwhile, in England, Henry and Eleanor were having money troubles. Louis had burned through three quarters of a million livres on the crusade, while the English royals could barely get a quarter of that together if needed. Simon de Montfort was in France at this time, because the French liked him better than Henry did at this point, um, to the point that they tried to make Simon regent of France after Blanche's death, since Louis was still out of the country. You might remember that in the last episode I alluded to a family reunion. That time has come. The four sisters and their mother, Beatrice, were about to all reunite for Christmas in 1254. They had not all been together like this since Marguerite had left Provence for France to get married. While the four sisters were split into two pairs who were part of the same royal court, French and English, they had not really been to the other's respective country, and not all at the same time. Marguerite and Eleanor saw each other from time to time, as they were both queens, but BP and Sancia were not included in these plans. Um, it may have been that, you know, if Eleanor came to France, she also saw BP. Marguerite went to England, she saw Sancia, but again, not all four of them at the same time. Sancia was going to go to the reunion without Richard, but Richard wasn't about to allow her to look inferior to Eleanor just because Eleanor was a queen and Sancia wasn't. While Eleanor was more titled, Sancia was wealthier, and Richard made sure to ball out on her retinue and attire. So it was said that Sancia showed up looking more like an empress. As this family reunion was taking place, there was still tension within the family. Mama Beatrice was not a fan of BP and Charles and how they had been handling Provence. Remember, BP had inherited Provence all to herself while her sisters had been cut out of any inheritance when their father died. Sancia, Marguerite, and Eleanor were all in support of their mother. This family reunion was a huge deal politically and historically. The royal couples met up in the city of Orleans. 
Gifts were exchanged. Marguerite gave Henry a richly jeweled basin shaped like a peacock. And Louis gave Henry an elephant. Like an actual elephant. Just a small, casual gift between kings. You know, hope, hope you have room on your boat to go home for said elephant, since you weren't uh, planning your trip accordingly, expecting to be given an elephant. But anyways, <laughs> let's talk for a moment about Henry and Eleanor's second son, Edmund and Cicely. The family union was during Christmas 1254, but shortly before that, on December 7th, Pope Innocent IV died, who had been the one in favor of Edmund becoming the king of Sicily. The new pope, Alexander IV, carried on Innocent's feud with the Holy Roman Emperor, but wasn't entirely sure what to do with Sicily. As a reminder, when Holy Roman Emperor Frederick II had died, he left behind two adult sons, Conrad and Manfred. Conrad would die, leaving behind his son, conveniently named Conradin, as in Conrad with an I-N at the end. Conrad had been Frederick's heir, but ruled for only two years before he died of a fever at only 26 years old, although on his way out, he did allegedly poison his 15-year-old half-brother Henry, who had been next in line. We'll talk more about Conradin and Manfred later. It's also worth noting that Frederick was married three times and also had a number of children with mistresses. He was not terribly creative with names and had multiple Henrys, Fredericks, and Margaret variants among his children. Manfred actually lucked out with a unique name. I feel like the Kardashian-Jenner family is a pretty good comparison for the four sisters of Provence and their mother. Beatrice of Savoy managed a well-oiled political machine. The power of these women was shown in 1255 when Uncle Thomas of Savoy was imprisoned by his neighbors in Asti. The sisters and Mama Beatrice went into action immediately. Marguerite and Eleanor had their husbands detain all merchants and citizens from Asti and Turin that were in their respective kingdoms. Beatrice of Savoy closed the roads between Switzerland and Provence, stopping trade and took prisoners. Marguerite demanded 10,000 pounds from Asti instead of paying them a ransom. Uh, you would think, you know, they are holding Uncle Thomas. They should be the ones asking Marguerite or the other women in the family for money. But instead, no, Marguerite was like, you took my uncle, you need to give him back and also give me money for him. So she demanded 10,000 pounds and the release of Uncle Thomas. Asti was forced to let Thomas go rather than risk getting starved out or having their citizens harmed or detained long term. They were basically surrounded and there really wasn't any way for them to move forward um, other than just, you know, releasing Thomas. You might remember that Richard of Cornwall, Henry's brother and Sancia's husband, had been offered the kingdom of Sicily and declined it. He was better set up financially than Edmund to take Sicily, but he just wasn't particularly interested. However, we know that all four sisters are going to become queens, and so far, we only have Marguerite and Eleanor as queens. Change is coming for Richard and Sancia. On January 28, 1256, William of Holland, the King of the Romans, fell through a frozen lake on his horse, got out of the frozen lake, and then proceeded to be hacked to pieces by his opponents who had presumably been chasing him to this frozen lake. Uh, it's quite the story. However, my source kind of glazed over this incident. I would love to know more about it because this sounds bonkers. Um, but the important thing is there is now a vacancy for the King of the Romans. 
While Richard had rejected the title of King of Sicily, he had regretted it once Henry and Eleanor had tried to secure the title for Edmund, so when he was offered the chance to become King of the Romans, he jumped. However, it wasn't like all Richard had to do was say yes. King of the Romans was an elected office that was appointed by seven men in Germany, because while it's, the title makes it sound like it's Rome, we are talking about Germany. Um, so the seven men were the Count Palatine of the Rhine, the Archbishop of Cologne, the Count of Bohemia, the Archbishop of Mons, the Archbishop of Treves, the Duke of Saxony, and the Marquis of Brandenburg. Richard successfully bribed the Count Palatine, Archbishop of Cologne, and Archbishop of Mons, securing three out of those seven voters. He's going to need at least one more on his side to win, though. He turned next to the Archbishop of Treves, who not only rejected his bribe, but then went and proposed another nominee, Alfonso X of Castile. The Pope was also not a huge fan of the idea of Richard ruling Germany. If Edmund ruled Sicily and Richard ruled Germany, that meant that the English ruled the Holy Roman Empire. And the Popes have been trying to limit the power of the HRE and split it up, uh, not further establish it. So not a huge fan of this idea. This is kind of counterintuitive for them. Richard's campaign would ultimately be successful, and he and Sancia had their coronation on May 27th, 1257, in Aachen, in western Germany. This was a whole new world for the couple. Richard had done business with Germans before, but neither he nor Sancia had ever been there before. Richard wisely decided to bring lots of money with him to Germany, which he handed out liberally, so he attracted a crowd for their coronation and as they traveled around Germany. Alfonso X still had his eye on Germany, so Richard wanted to legitimize his rule by buying the love of the people. The couple traveled around the area surrounding Mons for the next 15 months. Richard was having the time of his life traveling and showing off, but shy Sancia was lonely and exhausted. They returned to England in January 1259 to swear to uphold the Oxford provisions. Uh, more on that later when we talk about Eleanor again but they returned to Germany in June of 1260. The second trip was not as successful as the first. Germany was not as welcoming to Richard this time. They made it as far as Worms before turning back and retreating. The trip took its toll on Sancia's health. She returned to the family castle at Berkhamstead, where she would stay. Now, we're going to see a recurring theme throughout this podcast that men named Richard are generally shitty husbands. Richard I ignored Berengaria, Richard of Cornwall cannot be bothered to attend to a sick wife, Sancia. On November 5th, 1261, he was told that Sancia was dying. Now, you'd expect he'd go home to Berkhamstead then to be with Sancia in her final hours. Henry certainly would have done that for Eleanor. Charles and BP were pretty glued together, so I imagine he would have been at her side as well. Richard, on the other hand, decides that this is a great time to go to London on a business trip to deal with some administrative business with Germany. Sancia dies on November 9th, 1261, without Richard. To make matters even worse, Richard had the executors of her estate start giving away her property. Before she died! He started doing this at the beginning of November, and she didn't die until the 9th. He was not only at her side, not only... He was not only not at her side when she died, but he skipped the funeral as well. Sancia deserved better without a doubt. 
we've had three of the four sisters become queens now, and three of the four are remaining now that Sanchia has died. I'm going to talk about BP for the rest of the episode um, and get her her crown, and then we'll get lots of Eleanor and Marguerite in the final episode as we wrap up everyone's stories. It's about time that we have all four of the sisters achieve queen status, and I just like the idea of covering the two younger sisters in more detail in this episode. Uh, we'll have to go back in time a little to resume things with Eleanor. There's a lot of drama in England that we need to cover, which is another reason why I'm thinking we'll save that for the next episode. It's just a bit too much to cover in this one without it getting super long um, and just more complicated. The road to queenhood for BP is still somewhat complicated, but it's a lot more clean and an isolated storyline that we can get through faster. So talk about BP and then we will do more on the two older sisters in our next episode. Marguerite and Louis are back from the Holy Land, but Marguerite still resents BP and Charles for leaving her and Louis to go home. If it was up to her, the rest of the family would have stayed and helped Louis with his terrible plans for success. While things are tense between the sisters, it's Mama Beatrice that BP has the most beef with at this time. In her opinion, her mother is the worst of the whole family. Beatrice of Savoy had been staying in France, with quarters that allow her unlimited access to the court, and she is constantly either talking to Louis and trying to get Provence back, or conspiring with Marguerite. Even though the Pope himself supported the way the cards fell with BP inheriting all of Provence, the family is still opposed to the decision, which infuriates BP. She thinks it should be a done deal. This is her given right. Why are you guys still fighting me on this? In 1257, Beatrice of Savoy even demands compensation for her voluntary abdication. It takes more than a decade, but finally Charles and BP are fully in control of her inheritance. Marguerite still won't let things go, though. When her second son, Philip, is engaged to a daughter of the King of Aragon, Marguerite uses this as an opportunity to bring up how unfair she thinks her father's will is with her cousin, King James I of Aragon. Remember, historically, Provence often went to relatives in Aragon after the death of a count, so in theory, James could have inherited Provence instead of BP. Charles and BP are pretty well-liked in Provence, though. BP prefers Provence to France now, since she can just be and doesn't have to deal with her sister, she's away from the drama, she can just, you know, exist and enjoy herself. There's another family reunion in Paris for the Christmas of 1259. Henry and Eleanor have crossed the channel to sign an official peace treaty with Louis. There isn't peace between the sisters, however. Marguerite puts Beatrice at an inferior table apart from the rest of the family because BP isn't a queen like her sisters. Now, I'm generally a fan of Marguerite, but there are times when she needed to learn to pick her battles and probably take a chill pill. Is it really worth it to dump that much salt in your sister's wound? I said we'd come back to talking about Cicely, Conrad, and his son Conradin and Manfred later in this episode, and that time has come. Edmund hadn't taken control of Cicely for many reasons, and Cicely was supposed to go to Conrad's son, Conradin. Conradine? Manfred, Conrad's half-brother, tried to have Conra Conradin, Conradine poisoned so he could claim Cicely. Fortunately for Conradine, his mother didn't trust Manfred and suspected that a plot was in the works. She secretly swapped out Conradine for another child, so when Manfred poisoned the alleged Conradine, the real Conradine was safe. 
Manfred went through the motions of publicly mourning his nephew. Oh, no, he's dead. What a surprise. Before crowning himself king of Sicily in 1258. Oh, my nephew's dead. How tragic. Now I guess I just, I, I have to take his spot. Ah, oh, what a tragedy. By 1260, almost all of Italy, minus Rome, which was still controlled by the papacy, was under Manfred's control. Oh, how he suffers. Within a year, he would take Rome as well. Pope Alexander IV would die in exile in Viterbo, having lost Rome for the papacy. He was succeeded by Pope Urban IV. I'm impressed that it panned out that we had Innocent IV, Alexander IV, and then Urban IV. I had to look ahead in our order of popes, and the next pope after Urban IV will be Clement IV. We'll break the streak after that, though, as the next pope would be Gregory X. Curse you, Gregory. Anyways, we've got the new pope, Urban IV. Unsurprisingly, he's out for revenge. Someone needs to take down Manfred, and that someone needed to be from France. France was the only kingdom at the time with the power and resources that were needed to defeat Manfred. England was having too many political and financial issues to be of any use. The pope turned to Charles. Charles was no political dummy. He knew that he couldn't just openly bring up the idea with Louis, who already felt like Charles got too big, too, who already felt like Charles got too big for his britches at times. Charles knew that if Louis thought Charles was being ambitious or self-interested, he'd immediately reject the idea. Urban IV understood this and helped Charles with playing the long game. While they tried to set it up so that Louis felt that it was his idea, he did have some hesitations about Charles becoming king of Sicily. It took some time to get Louis to warm up to the idea. It wasn't until May 1263 that Louis allowed the Pope to even offer the crown to Charles. Charles would receive the formal request on June 17th. It would take almost another year and a half before Charles accepted the Pope's terms for him to become King of Sicily, because the Pope did have some terms and conditions that Charles had to agree to, which we'll see shortly and see how long Charles uh, abides by those terms and conditions. Another major event happened at the end of 1264. Beatrice of Savoy died suddenly at the age of 58, which is younger than I would have thought she was at this point, honestly. Mama Beatrice had accomplished so much and been involved and been involved in so much that it feels like she must have been older than 58. You know, it seems like she's been at this for a thousand years at this point. She had influenced the politics across Europe for nearly a quarter century at that point through her daughters and their respective husbands. She was mourned in Savoy and by her daughters, although less so by BP and Charles, who felt that their old enemy was now out of the way. While Louis had agreed to let Charles become the king of Sicily, he wasn't about to roll out the red carpet for Charles. Louis still wanted to go on crusade again, which was going to cost him a pretty penny. He felt that he'd done enough for Charles just by he felt that he'd done enough for Charles by just agreeing to let Charles become king. He wasn't going to give Charles any money that could be instead used for another crusade. This is BP's time to shine. BP rode all over Provence calling on her knights. While she'd presented her mother in her later life, BP had learned much from Beatrice of Savoy when it came to politics and how to win hearts and influence minds. She used she used all of her charms, threats, and bribes to get her subjects to support her husband's cause. 
the French aristocracy also supported Charles. France was still embarrassed by Louis' debacle on crusade, and in Charles and BP, they saw a chance for France to redeem its military reputation. Charles and BP were crowned the King and Queen of Sicily on January 6, 1266, in St. Peter's Church in Rome. One of the Pope's conditions for Charles becoming King of Sicily was that Charles was expressly forbidden from holding any position in Italy other than King of Sicily. Charles would break that contract in less than a month when he immediately accepted a position as Senator of Rome, which at the time was more like being a mayor or governor, perhaps, um, rather than our modern idea of a senator. So he was not, you know, an elected official serving amongst a body of people. It was a little bit more like he was in charge of Rome itself. Charles wasn't about to stop there either. We'll see him continue his efforts to conquer Italy in our next episode. And with that, we've achieved queen status for all four of our sisters. So we had Marguerite as queen of France, Eleanor as queen of England, Sancia was queen of the Romans, although not for long, and now BP is the queen of Sicily. Trouble is brewing in England for Henry and Eleanor. Trouble in the name of Simon de Montfort. We'll cover that and wrap up with the lives of the three remaining sisters, um, Marguerite, Eleanor, and BP, in our sixth and final episode of this miniseries. Patreon subscribers will be able to listen to it early, a week after this current episode is posted on Patreon. Listeners on Spotify and Apple Podcasts will be able to hear that episode on September 5th. Patreons get to listen to all main series episodes a week early, as well as having exclusive access to bonus content like episodes on historical fiction books about the women featured in this podcast and more. Check out the link to our Patreon and Instagram in this episode's description. As always, if you've enjoyed this episode or this podcast in general, give us a review on your preferred listening platform. Reviews help other listeners find this podcast. Until next time.